Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Hello, I'm Andrew Harris. Hello, Mr. Harris. This Andrew is Mr. Decker. Decker. Yeah. You know, it's a big day today. It is a big day. Why is it a big day? Well, something's turning 50. Oh, happy birthday, no, Andrew. Oh. No, no, I'm not turning 50. 50 shows This on is the our podcast. 50th show, our 50th regular scheduled episode. For all you listeners who told us we'd never make it. Right, all eight of Here, them. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to you. Here, here we are. And um, and what a show we have on I, our 50th I, I, show. I'm really excited about this show. I am too. And, and, well, tell us about it. Okay, so today, well, first of all, TCDLA is also turning 50. Uh, our right. podcast is turning 50. Disney World. Disney World's turning 50. And, and eventually this year, I'll, well, anyway. We're, we're not 50 years. We're just 50 shows. We've 50 been doing shows. this for three right. years. So Two and a half. No. Two and a half. No, two, yeah, two, two and two and a month. Yep, we can't even count. It's COVID. Well, I am excited about our guest today. Today, uh, we we get to have another guest that I met down at Rusty Duncan. Yeah, a few weeks ago, um, a a beautiful person, great laugh, energetic. I want to introduce you. I I, I wish you could have met her in person, Stephanie Brown. And Stephanie, or or probably we need to say miss brown because yes. she she stephanie she, is just fine yeah. right, right. <laughs> she is well, a high up right she's high up she is the first assistant chief public defender for the bear county public defender's office yeah we we she she is um she's she's down here in the mud with us talking with us today for I know, sure right and, and she, I'm, I'm really excited about what we're gonna talk about too. but I first let's too. let's let her introduce herself get her in get her in and uh then then we'll talk yeah. about it. so Hi, stephanie Hi, guys. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on and talk about this God's work that we do in magistration. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to meet you, Andrew, at Rusty Duncan. Yes, and, it was. Uh, it was a blast. It really and truly was. They shouldn't make it so much fun. You know, we don't know how to go home. <laughs> Let's be honest. We're not there for the CLEs. We're there for the fun and the friends. I'm oh. always, I always go for the CLE. I went for the CLE also. <laughs> I just want to point out Mr. Harris was not president. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to I meet know. you, but I look yeah. forward to it. Next year. Next year for sure. Okay, yeah. so first of all, Miss Brown, Stephanie, how did you come into the law? How, what, what, what got you into this, in, into this wide world? Believe it or not, Perry Mason. Remember that show? Yeah. Yes. I watched Perry Mason and I thought I wanted to do exactly what he did when I grew up and come to find out none of what he did was legal, but that's okay. <laughs> Still made it seem exciting. It made but great TV. It is great TV. That's It truth. really did. So that was my introduction into law as a kid. And as I grew up, I did a lot of other things, but eventually in my 30s, I realized, yes, I need to fall back on that thing that, you know, made me sing when I thought about it. And mm. so um, at the age of 33, I'm in law school, graduating at 37. And at that oh, time, that was a spring chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I, I really like that. It's a really encouraging story because Andrew Decker here, had, this is also his second career, right. uh, attended law school later in life. And I find that um, these attorneys, and there's a there's a handful of others that, that we kind of practice with, um, that the attorneys who are who went to law school a little bit later in life, just uh, bring such like a passion and energy to this profession. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm wondering if it's because you know us that went to law school straight out of college just kind of like felt like 
you know, we were forced to do that maybe, or, or that's just an obligation. Along. Right. An obligation. Yes. Um, so I, that's, that's really cool. You know, some yeah. people too tell me, uh, or ask me if my job's like Perry Mason and I tell them it's <laughs> for me personally, I'm, I'm a little bit like Columbo before he solves everything, just kind of bumbling <laughs> along. Yeah. Yeah, but Colombo was just in that because you knew he was gonna get his man every time. Right. I, I'm I'm just glad that I'm not I'm I'm not labeled Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse, right? It could right. be worse. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. I love so that. so um your primary job is uh as the, the first assistant chief public defender is really to coordinate to have attorneys present at magistration in Bear County. Isn't that correct? That is correct. We have eight attorneys um, over a 24-hour period, seven days a week. And these guys are so passionate about what they do. We've had people working for us who were uh, long-term attorneys like myself. But the best people, in my opinion, are those first out, of, fresh out of law school, you know, baby lawyers. They're zealous about doing what they're doing. And when they're in magistration and they're finding those clients who need the most help, not just the basic, okay, we can get you a lower bond or we can get you out on a PR bond. They're most excited about those people who need the most help and they're doing everything they can. And by the most help, I mean, they're mentally ill clients. They are, um, they're on they're substance abuse users. They're homeless. Um, whatever we can do to make their lives easier in the very few minutes that we have contact with them is the goal. And my eight attorneys over there are knocking it out of the park. I could not be more proud about to talk about them. Sometimes I talk about them and I bring myself to tears because they are so awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 That honestly, just a little bit that we talked previously, I was like, I, we, we've got to learn more and we're going to get into some of that. But the first question I have is, it, I know that if I went to a, to a county commissioner's office and said, I think this is a good idea, right? The first hurdle is that it's going to cost taxpayers money to pay eight full-time attorneys to be present 24 hours a day. Who decided it was that important and how did y'all get over that hurdle? TIDC was one of the biggest uh, proponents of this, but initially um, it started out with magistration having mental health clinicians on site and their goal was to try to find people who needed the, the help and they were not getting any cases out. And this was in 2015. So they hired Chief Michael Young, my boss, and he, the, the chief of, or the county manager, David Smith, is talking to Michael Young about, you know, we have this program, this project, we can't get any people out on mental health, we don't know what to do. So Michael Young said, well, why don't we put some public defenders at magistration? And it took off from there. And we started out initially, September 1, midnight, 2015, and there were three of us. We had no idea what we were doing. We literally pulled it from, from out of our behind trying to figure out what makes this work. <laughs> we had um, just the very few clientele of people who were basically first time offenders coming in without a violent offense and they had a mental illness. That was all we could look at. And if 200 people were arrested during a shift, we may represent eight of them. That doesn't sound right considering there are 200 other people out there who need help but that's what our guidelines were at the time. 
Yeah. Um, so, so even the guideline, hold on. The guideline was it had to be a first offense. And it had, had to be to a, have, go ahead. I'm sorry. It had to be a nonviolent offender. Okay. And they had to have a mental illness. Okay. Well, those, those people usually were first time offenders. All right. All right. Okay. Sorry. So we get our eight people out and within a couple of years, we figure out the strategy that works and we're up to 52 people in a month by the time we um, leave the first location we worked in and move to the second location. So from 2015 to 2018, the most was maybe 50, 55 people we represented. In 2019, the Justice Intake Assessment Center opened next to the jail. This is the new intake center for the jail. And we all moved there. At that time, it was decided we need at least eight public defenders to make this work 24-7, if that's what our goal is. And we need to have the participation of everybody on board. And everybody was willing to participate. Pre-trial services, the um, law enforcement officers in the detention center, of course, the clinician. Um, we, had, we had input from everybody about what makes this work. And please don't mistake it. We are still trying to figure out ways to make it better right now today. But what we have in place actually works because Michael Young thought we could make a difference and we have. We now represent everyone who was arrested in Bear County and brought to the detention center. And during the course of a month, there may be 3000 people who are seen by the mental health clinicians. So we are able to help wow. those people. We are still getting help for the substance abuse need uh, users. The homeless shelter, well, of course, when things were COVID related, everything shut down, but it's opened again and we're now trying to get people back into the homeless shelter or whatever manner or means we can to assist them. So, so we, are, we are completely holistic, client-centered defense attorneys. We don't yeah. just look at the file, we look at the person and determine what can we do for you. So by the time this person has either retained an attorney or they have a court-appointed attorney, their treatment is already in place and they are already on their goal to not coming back into the system again. You, you kind of touched on my, what my next question was, uh, was going to be. So is, is your office, um, you know, these eight attorneys, do they also have, you know, a regular misdemeanor docket that they're, you know, preparing for trial on cases or going to plea negotiations with prosecutors um, on top of doing everything that, that, that y'all are doing with the magistrate process? No, these are eight attorneys are exclusively assigned to the magistration division. I see. Um, they work very well with the DA's office there to determine whether or not there's probable cause. If they can get a case dismissed at magistration, that case will be dismissed. If the DA is not agreeing with us, then we go to the judge. And right. nine times out of 10, if we're fighting a probable cause case, we're going to get the case rejected at that point. But Just no, their, their goal is exclusively magistration at this point. Just think if you're, how much money, I, I understand like, you know, I'm sure a lot of commissioners are looking at this like for just from the, the cost aspect, how, how many, how much is this gonna cost us? Um, but think of all the money that's being saved. If you can get a case dismissed at magistration where you can save the county money from, for housing uh, somebody yes. in a jail, 
appointing an attorney, the attorney doing all their work to get, you know, to justify a dismissal from a prosecutor later on. I mean, I, I think that's, that's incredible. And those are exactly the types of things they looked at. And since we've been in place, we've been able to show the comparison of the cost of having us there versus the cost of a retained attorney or the cost of the um, appointed attorney. And in most instances, we are costing the county less money. So you started a couple of years ago with 2015, is that right? Yes. And with three attorneys, seeing yes. about 55 people roughly per night? It was a Monday through Friday deal Monday. at that time. Got you. And now that's you're up to eight attorneys full-time seeing every single person that's arrested. Yes. Did I say oh. I love my job? Did I tell my you My goodness. That? Wow. Okay. And still, I mean, and that just sounds like so many clients to advise. I mean, wow. How, how uh, just on a personal level, how do you and your team fight, you know, a burnout, uh, anything like that? Basically, we have um, a schedule that allows them to do what they need to do as in their job, but they're allowed to take off when they need to. Because these guys are so dynamic, if someone needs a day off, they switch places or they can have they do have personal time off at vacation leave, but they will usually switch places with someone on a ship to do whatever it is that's needed personally. And I allow it. As long as my boss is allowing us to, to, you know, work in this manner, I think we'll always have a great team to work with. So, yeah, burnout yeah. is possible, especially when you have 14 to 24 dockets and each docket has five clients on a docket, majority of them. Yeah. But if you're doing anywhere from 14 to 24 dockets, burnout will happen. COVID was a help in the sense that fewer people got arrested. So the dockets were smaller. People were able to help more for a longer period of time, the, the uh, attorneys were. And now that things are speeding up again, we don't spend as much time with them individually, but we make sure the next, next shift who comes in is attacking whatever, whatever the problem was on the previous shift, the next shift will carry it over. So right. there is so, never a time for the ball to be dropped or it shouldn't be. That's, that's incredible. So how many attorneys are on each shift? So I'm assuming eight hour shifts. So like midnight to 8 AM, eight to five and then five to midnight, basically. So how many, how many attorneys are on actually each shift? There are supposed to be two attorneys um, from the seven to three shift, the three to 11 shift. There's usually only one attorneys, one attorney because it's an easier shift. And the 11 to 7 shift, Monday through Wednesday, there's usually one attorney. On Monday mornings, Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays, there are two attorneys on the busiest shifts to make right. life easier. But every now and then, somebody will have to work by themselves, and they never complain. Yeah. No, that's so we make that, it that's work. That, that, that's really that's, passionate. That's why. Attorney. That's why Mr. Harris doesn't work for you because he always complains. Well, <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so what does what does an attorney at four a.m. in the morning? What do they actually do with the client? The same thing. Situation? The exact same thing the attorney does at eight a.m. with the client. Okay. He is. Yes, he is advising the client on what's going to happen in magistration. He's asking the client about, you know, his finances. He's asking the client about 
um, what type of mental problems he may have if it's indicated, if there are any issues that we could possibly help them with. We're trying to find out what we can do to help this person, but basically got, guiding them on what to expect at magistration. Now you notice I didn't mention anything about the facts of the case because we are not there to talk to them about the facts of the case. That is for their court appointed or retained attorney. We are just making sure they understand here is where you are. This is what's happening. This is what about what is about to happen. And once you go forth from here, you will have a goal in place if you need to, to help you do well, do better with your court appointed or retained attorney. So just because it's four o'clock in the morning doesn't mean things are different. It may be just a little quieter, depending on the day of the week, on Monday, 4 a.m. or Tuesday, you know, but the exact same thing is happening. The arrests are going 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It truly, right. truly doesn't stop. No. Yeah, it doesn't stop. So um, I'm sure that one of the things that, that the attorney has to do, if you're not discussing the facts of the case, really, is to the hard part is just to get the client to slow down enough to go. I'm not here to talk about that. <laughs> right. It is the first thing we say, hi, I'm Stephanie Brown. I am your court appointed attorney. I will be representing you today in magistration for magistration purposes only. We will not discuss the facts of your case. You will do that on another day with another judge and another lawyer in another courtroom. Not today. You know, and then we go from there with the rest of the information. But we make sure they understand, don't talk about your case here. Do not talk about your case in the courtroom because everything is being videotaped, it's being recorded. The DA is there, we're there. If you say anything that's going to harm your case in the future, please do not give the DA anything to hang their hat on because they will utilize it. So most of the time, 97% of the time, there is no problem. But that 3% of people who just want to come in and tell everything, I had the drugs, but I took them from Joe Blow. Or, you know, I hit her, but only because she made me mad. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> Sometimes they just got to get it out. And I have no problem saying, be quiet, shut up. And it may <laughs> sound disrespectful, but that's what they understand. I've tried touching them when we were in the courtroom together. I tried touching them on the elbow just to say, stop. Or I'll look at them and, you know, put it across my, my neck, stop. If that's not working, then yes, shut up and be quiet usually does the trick. <laughs> my gosh. Yes. No. And I, 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 I can feel some of those clients. I, I just, I'm envisioning the, some of my clients in that position. Like, yeah, I, I got, I represent a couple of those. <laughs> what about those problem clients who just want to represent themselves? They don't want the assistance of anybody. What do you do in that case? We advise the court, uh, Mr. Joe Blow has determined he doesn't have, um, he doesn't want our services, Your Honor, but we will be here just for the purpose of ensuring his rights are not violated. And the judge will basically magistrate them the same way she does everybody else. She will still in turn, or he will in turn ask us, well, um, defense attorney, do you have a recommendation on bond or whatever the situation is. And yes, we'll make a recommendation to keep this person from having this astronomical bond landing on their heads when we can argue some reasons for it not to happen. So yeah, they say they don't want an attorney. Fine. We're not going to represent you for anything else, but I'm going to stand here and make sure that your, your rights are not violated. And that. you know what? They're happy we're there. Of course. <laughs> yes, of course.
Yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of trying to visualize it in my head. And I think about some of the things that I've seen and heard in magistration. And, you know, you have a client who is scared. Yes. Possibly at magistration, still under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Sometimes. Very, you know, a, a good percentage of them have at least some mental illness. Yes. And you have a man or a woman sitting on a bench, sitting on the bench, uh, in a higher position, talking to them, maybe well above their their intellectual level. Yeah, right. And just how overwhelming that is, just to have someone stand there and say, I'm with you for these five minutes. Yes. That alone is probably an amazing uh, comfort. Yeah. Right? I mean, just that alone. I mean, I, I just for that is, is a, well, I give a kudos, but that's, that's the most basic. That's not even really dealing with the rights and everything else. I have, I cannot tell you how many times I've had a repeat client say, where were you all the other times I was arrested? No one has ever spoken to me like this. No one has ever told me this. Where have you been? Well, obviously you haven't been arrested in the last six years because this is where I've been for the past six years. Right. Oh, you weren't arrested in Barrett County. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You were not arrested here. Yeah. And the, the way we talk to them prior to them going into magistration is to basically dumb down what the judge is going to do. So they're prepared for what she's basically going to say in her legalese speak. But we've explained it to them. This is what this means. okay? And once we tell them that they come out, we ask them again. Once the magistration is over with, are there any additional questions? Did you understand everything that took place? And yes, everybody does, because, as I said, we dumb it down for them. They we talk to them the way I wish somebody would talk to me most of the time, you know? Yeah. So it works. We we have perfected the system. So everyone coming in and going out are not complaining about this is what happened to me. The only people who really complain are those who are just problematic in general. And then you mentioned the people who are probably intoxicated, you know, high. Those people are allowed to uh, decompress and go through what they need to prior to being magistrated. If they, they are not able to sit in open booking and not fall off the chair, then they are placed in a cell that allows them to sleep off or, you know, withdraw or whatever they need to do. And then they'll be magistrated on the next shift. And each attorney on the previous, on the shift where that person is too intoxicated to communicate will inform the next staff, hey, Joe Blow is in the cell. He was, you know, kind of high. We couldn't talk to him. So would you mind talking to him then? So no man is left behind ever. Right. God, that's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. And I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned some of these like benefits that the clients may, may get from representation at the very start of the process. You mentioned that some cases have been dismissed. Um, in that instance, tell us how, like, how that occurs, you know, are you just right off the bat negotiating with, with the prosecutor? Yes, we have a prosecutor on site. All of our cases are sent to us, and by us, I mean the prosecutor and myself, via a SharePoint software package. So we get the actual file that the judge has on the SharePoint file. 
So we're reviewing the probable cause for the arrest. So for instance, they didn't name the weight of the drugs or what the drugs were. And so we'll just go to the DA's office and say, hey, you got a problem with this case. You know, the name, the drugs wasn't named. We don't know how much it weighs. And they look at it and go, yeah, you're right. Okay, we're going to dismiss it. But if they argue against it, if they have a problem with it in, in their office or if they come to our office, then we'll both go to the judge and bring it to the judge's attention. And then the judge will do what she or he, he needs to do. And once the case is dismissed, that person is taken off the docket sheet and they're released from the detention center. You know, we'll tell them, hey, we got your case dismissed. You're good to go. They'll release you as soon as they can. And that's it. Now, we also let them know there's a possibility the state can't come back and refile this case. They're going to go to the to the um, officer and say, hey, clean up your report. But at this time, we have to let this case go. So, so yeah, and in that, um, I guess in that in that instance, right, the, the, the state probably, you know, it's they still have the statute of limitations, they can refile and all that. I, I just think that's fascinating to me. I mean, I, Andrew and I, and I'm sure, you know, Ms. Brown, you've experienced this, some magistrates before the 24 hour, um, you know, magistration or before they, there was defense attorneys at those magistration that maybe magistrates, you know, it's early in the morning, they're just kind of glazing over their probable cause affidavit and finding PC where in fact, there may not be some, um, I, I just love the fact that somebody's standing up for, for you know, these citizens who've been arrested uh, to, to just kind of double check things a little bit. Oh, Andrew, I would never say there was a magistrate who just let a case With without Andrew probable cause go through. <laughs> well, that's because you're holding them accountable now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not on your watch. That's certainly true. Um, that's what I mean. I would never say that happened before we got there. Oh, goodness, no. Andrew is, Andrew is the tact. Andrew has more tact of the two of us. He'll, he'll look at me and say, I'm not saying our, our cops are bad. And I'm like, oh, that's my that's my." <laughs> Um, I'll let you guys say that. But, but but I think I've seen it happen where and and you know, motions to suppress, like there's just no PC for this arrest. Well, they had to be magistrated, and a magistrate had to find PC to uphold the the arrest yeah. and set a bond and all that. So I you know, it it happens, and in some of these smaller counties, they may just be uh, relying on um, you know, what the officer is telling them um, yes. instead of actually making that determination for well, themselves. Uh, let's just let's just go with the fact that if i'm having to read if there if you're looking at you know m hundreds of arrests a day and in my shift i'm going to have to read 50 or 60 of them i might glaze through a few i might just be human so to have two other people looking at them as well because right. in most counties nobody else is looking at them there's a better chance that someone's going to go Hey, uh, Judge Bob, this one has this one's got a problem, right? Right. So, so assuming the magistrate's not just completely just tanking the job, we all do better when we have someone else checking Helping our work. Out. Yeah, right. Of course, yeah. Two heads are always better than one. Three heads are even better. Yeah, I'll, uh, our official stance is that the magistrates are not doing this on purpose. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. wink, wink. Yeah. <clears throat> so. So without divulging too much information, could you give us an example of one or two clients where something really changed, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, uh, if you have one, right? Of course. 
course, of Other course. Other than a dismissal, uh, that's a huge change. Right, yeah, yeah, that's a huge change. <laughs> um, I remember representing this gentleman who had been um, convicted of murder back in 1978. And he's been arrested for possession of a controlled substance. And the, the gentleman is basically using cocaine to self-medicate because he is mentally ill. He is homeless. He has a girlfriend. They're living in and out of an apartment. I mean, I'm sorry, out of a, a hotel room. And he has no means for therapy, no means for the actual um, medication that he needs to do better. So uh, I go before the judge and it was, it was a completely different group of guys at this time who were, doing, who were handling magistration. And I put this guy's life out there. You know, he's, he's paid his, his debt to society. He spent 20 something years in prison for his murder charge. Now he's been out all of these years without getting in trouble, but he's never been able to get the treatment he needed because once he got out of prison, the treatment stops. So where is he supposed to go? No one's willing to help him. So the judge listened to me put this, you know, this long soliloquy on, and he finally said, you know what, Mrs. Brown, normally I would not do this because of that man's underlying charge, but I'm going to allow him to get this mental health PR bond so we can actually get him back on track. I started crying, and I am not a big crier, but when the, when the mood strikes, I cried. And the, the officers looked at me and they're going, Stephanie, are you okay? I can't believe we did that. I'm so happy for you. You know, you got to get treatment. So, you know, he got his mental health PR bond. He goes back into the world. He's um, in, involved with the mental health system here, Center for Healthcare Services, thank God for them. And they were able to provide him with housing because he went into the homeless shelter first. And eventually, because I kept up with him, eventually he was able move, to move into a unit. And because he was elderly and disabled, he couldn't find a job, but they set him up with everything he needed to get the funds to allow him to live. And he was getting the medication and the therapy that he needed. And I kept up with him for months to make sure he stayed on the path. You know, I like to put a little fear of God in him. If you get off the path one time, don't make me come find you because I will. And they believe that I will. So that was, you know, the biggest claim and claim to fame. And then there's a young lady who's um, out homeless. It's always the worst case scenario. She's homeless. Um, she is a victim of abuse, domestic violence. And the boyfriend accused her of assaulting him. And we did the exact same thing for her. We got her treatment. We got her an, an actual apartment. And eventually we were able to utilize her story in a video that we presented to, I believe it was the, the um, commissioners to show this is what we've been doing. This is, you know, all of the culmination of our hard work. We are trying to help people and we are succeeding at it. And that's probably when they started looking into putting more public defenders into the office. That's incredible. I mean, both those stories you go, well, it, it's, it's why we as uh, defense attorneys do this kind of job. It's to help those people out that kind of everybody else to stop looking at, but for it to happen so early in the process saves so much heartache for that client, for the system and, and for them to succeed. Yeah. It's well, the family, I mean, yeah, just everybody involved. Yeah. It, it actually worked. 
And don't get me wrong, guys, getting to this point was not a cakewalk. We had so many people against us. Of course, the local defense bar did not want us there because they assumed we were taking money out of their pocket. The detention officers didn't want us there because they felt everything we was doing took too much time. Five minutes, okay. Um, pre-trial services were okay with us being there because they were just doing their jobs. The clinicians actually thought we were taking up too much of their time by bringing them more people. So it wasn't easy. Oh, and let's not even discuss the, the actual magistrates who hated our existence. And now we're in a place where the defense bar is calling us saying, hey, can you tell me what happened to my client during magistration when they were arrested? You know, the judges are calling saying, hey, we got a case that you might want to look into. Um, the officer just brought it to me. It's not been downloaded to the system yet, but you might want to start looking into this case. The DA's office are recommending PR bonds, you know, without us having to do it. So all of these people who shunned us initially are looking upon us as something good. I don't want to say God's gift, but we are doing God's work in that place. <laughs> we certainly are. Yeah. And that, that is uh, the same argument that we hear even from, from defense bar when a county is considering adding a public defender's office is this is going to hurt my pocketbook. And really, if you can look at Houston, Bear County, Dallas, all these counties that have uh, some public defender's offices, it has not affected a, a, an average uh, defense attorney's income at all not one iota and i had or very very minimally no not even a little bit yeah um, I, I, think, my, I, I think stephanie's right like i don't i don't even think like at all no no um what in my first life i was a prosecutor for seven ten years something like that and one of my old um partners in cross in the, in the da's office called he's now a defense attorney also and he said hey what is this with you guys why are you hiring so many public defenders in your office? Are you guys trying to take over? And so I said to him, we have 16 attorneys. Eight of those are over at magistration. So they're not going to be seeing any of those clients that you would represent. We have two attorneys who are in the civil division who will not have anything to do with your client because they're at the state hospital dealing with those people. We have, um, out of that, the six attorneys are left. And so these people are going to represent the 40,000 cases that are brought to court every year. If we can do that, we are super people. And he goes, oh, uh, okay, well, yeah. never mind then. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. And we're taking the cases in our, in our trial division. We have now uh, maybe 12 people in our trial division. We're taking those cases that nobody else wants to deal with. So the majority of the cases to our trial division are those mentally ill, substance abuse user, homeless people that nobody else wants to represent. And so, really, and really, as a solo, may not have the ability or capacity to handle how do I stay in touch with a homeless person? How do I deal with the mental health stuff? Because it just becomes they become very sensitive in, in, in a lot of time consuming work. And I'm not trying to say that, that, that we're sloughing it off to a, to a public defender, yeah. but you have an office that's prepared. They have it ready. They have maybe a social worker or an investigator there. Suddenly those things can be, can be handled more delicately and more efficiently. And, and really those, those, those individuals, those clients are not, those defendants are not hiring an attorney. And I don't know any, 
private attorney who lives off of court appointments alone. Oh, there are some who try. I, I spoke on a CLE just last month about part of what we're discussing now. And I made reference to the Center for Healthcare Services and the services they provide to the clients. And one of the defense attorneys said on the CLE with 193 people, well, the public defender's office have more resources than they than we do. So they get you know better services to their clients. And I immediately corrected him and said, no, we have the exact same resources that you do. The only difference is we use them. If you are not using them, that's your fault. If you are representing a client so you can plead them out to get $180, then that's your fault. But we use the services. We found them out and we use them. You never call the office and ask, hey, what happened to my client during magistration? Not once have you ever called us. If you and, want some help, we can give it to you. And you never, ever disrespect Stephanie Brown. <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. I know. I know. I'm, all, I'm all like, I'm like, I'm, I'm over here going, Mama's yelling at me. I'm in trouble now. I can, I can see, yeah. I can see now that why the county is like, yeah, you can handle as many cases as you can handle. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, what advice would you give to a county or or a defense bar that's trying to look at trying to do this? Please trying to do follow so. the lead. Please do so as quickly as possible. We are here to provide any type of information needed. We have had attorneys come from all over the United States wanting to know how magistration works. How did we set this up? What did we do to get it started? People have emailed me, called me. I've had conferences with new people who want to do just this very same thing. I provide them with all of the information that we started with and what we're doing now. If a county is thinking about it, get it up and going as soon as possible because there are so many people who need the help. And there you have it. There it is. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, you've you've been truly amazing. There, there, uh, the 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 passion you have, yeah, was obvious in person, but it is just as obvious over over uh, a Zoom link. Um, it, it, I'm uh, it's inspired. One, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's one of the, it's, it's one of those where I'm like, I'm it's four 30 in the afternoon and I am geared up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, I've done my job then. <laughs> All right. Good, good, good. Well, we, we, yeah, we ask uh, some fun questions. I just cut Andrew off. He's like looking at me now. Uh, we asked some fun questions of each of our guests. Uh, and so we're, you know, we've sent this to you before and uh, just wanted to, to go through these, let the, let our listeners know, more about the person behind, you know, all of this, uh, this kick-ass attorney stuff that you're doing. So who's your uh, favorite band or musical artist? Currently India Ari, but, um, she, I think she comes from my other favorite artists from back in the day of Marvin Gaye. So I think it's just a transition from Marvin into India Ari. <laughs> all right. I like it. Uh, so favorite book. Suffer the Children by John Saul. It is a very scary, freaky book about a child killer. And I mean, the child is the killer. Ooh. Written probably in 1980 something. I can read it over again as if I've never read it. And I'm, a, I'm an avid, voracious reader. I have books around me at all times to pick up no matter what I'm doing. So one of the things that we've noticed in, in some of our best interviews is how much they read how, how <laughs> really big readers right right so so i i think that there's something to it there's something to 
that desire to know more, to read more, to, to be more plays out in as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm not surprised you're a voracious reader. Well, that makes it sound like I'm reading, you know, these uh, nonfiction books about other people's <laughs> lives. No, I'm pretty much reading trash, murder mysteries. So. <laughs> Not trash. It's still reading, which is better than 90% of the population. Right. I, I just play, I just play, you know, games on my phone. So you've got me beat no matter what you're reading. Okay. <laughs> Stephanie, what about the best piece of advice you've been given? My Aunt Cheryl was my favorite aunt. She died in 2016. But she said something to me one day that made so much sense. She said, you can't make grown people do what you want them to do. They're going to do what they want to do. So quit trying. And when she said that, I thought, huh, that does make a lot of sense. And so I use it myself when I have people complaining about others who won't respond the way they should. Mm -hmm. And I just tell them, you can't make grown people do what they don't want to do. Okay. Right. Stop sweating it. <laughs> that may go on our wall. It will. Yeah. That's a that's a great piece of yeah. advice. Remember what you can control, which is oh yes. yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I, I kind of had to have that this afternoon in the holdover. Lord. You know, yeah. I, I kept just asking her, so what do you want? Right. I can't do that. Right. right. Because it, the court's not gonna do that. So what do you want me to do? Yes. Right. You know, because mm. I can't force her to do it. So, nope. yeah. Anyway. Once you realize it, life becomes just a fraction easier. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Stephanie, if someone wanted to, to, you said, you know, hey, reach out to you so they can learn more or figure out how to do this. How would they do that? Uh, how, you know, you don't have to give them a, give us your personal cell phone, but. Uh, Website or, or email. Or the yeah, office phone public. number. Yeah. Yes, I, I can give you all that. But the public defender, Bear County Public Defender's Office has a website and it, it allows you to link and find me there. Or you can okay. send me an email at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E dot Bear, B-E-X-A-R at no, I'm sorry, stephanie.brown, B-R-O-W-N, at bear.org. Perfect. All right. Yeah, we'll make sure that that's on our show notes as long, and we'll also put a link to the Bear County Public Defender's Office. Perfect. And, yeah. Andrew, you're in charge of that because I still got gotcha. you. Right. We won't, we won't even go there. Um, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for a great interview and giving us an inspiration on a, on a warm summer afternoon. Yeah. Um, My pleasure. Uh, it, it truly was a joy. Andrew, uh, what else do we need to know? Well, guys, y'all can find us on Facebook. Andrew Decker runs our Facebook group. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I, you're listening to this episode. You found us somewhere on some podcast program. So let us know uh, in the show notes or send us a quick email which, which program you're using. Um, but we are available on all of them. We're just kind of curious as to how many people are using us on Stitcher or Google or Apple podcast? Um, and you can also uh, find us at our website, texascrimdefense.com. And you can send us both uh, emails there personally, uh, and we will respond to you. We found so, uh, show episodes, uh, uh, topics uh, from, from, our, from our listeners. Um, so, and, yes. and guests. Yeah, send, guests. send us the name of guests, ideas, topics. Uh, we love them because, you know, we're not that smart. That's well, right. <laughs> again, thanks for listening. Thanks for celebrating show number 50 with us. Uh, we'll, we'll put up a picture of, of uh, 
one of us wearing a TCDLA 50 shirt uh, in celebration. There you go. I think it'll be Mr. Decker. Yeah, it will be. Okay. All right, y'all be good.